Living a well-balanced lifestyle goes beyond ensuring your finances are in order. Welcome to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer from Hightower. Barbara speaks with wellness industry leaders and related professionals to share more than financial planning advice. She addresses your questions about living a healthy lifestyle at any age. Learn how to gracefully maneuver life's challenges with support and resources to guide you along the way. Barbara and the team at Hightower help you make a plan, make an investment, and make a difference in your own wealth and well-being, and in your families, and within your community. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with your host, Barbara Archer from Hightower. Barbara, how are you? I am terrific, Eric. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. I am so excited. You you keep bringing on amazing guests. You have another guest with you today. How would you like to introduce your guest today? Well, first, I'm going to ask some questions of our audience, and then I will introduce her personally. Perfect. Welcome to that Keeping Well and Wealthy podcast, where today we do focus on brain play for sharper thinking. So have you ever had trouble recalling someone's name? Or wondered why you went into a room to get something? Or are you concerned about staying mentally sharp as we age? When someone in the world develops dementia every three seconds, we can understand why over 70% of adults say losing their memory is their top worry about aging. So what can you do? This is your opportunity to hear from a nationally recognized author on memory, fitness, and brain health. I'm excited to introduce you to Dr. Cynthia Green. Dr. Green is president and founder of Total Brain Health, a leading provider of training, products, and services to improve memory and brain fitness. She's a clinical psychologist and author of six books, the latest of which is Through the Seasons, an activity book for memory, Challenged Adults and Their Caregivers, second edition. Dr. Green has served as a clinical professor at the Mount Sinai School of Medicine Department of Psychiatry since 1990. She has been featured on Dr. Oz, Good Morning America, 2020, CNBC, Fox, The Martha Stewart Show, Time Newsweek, The New York Times, and The Washington Post. Welcome, Dr. Green. And may I call you Cynthia? Please do. And thank you so much. I'm so excited to have the chance to speak with you and to share with your guests all the ways that we can help our minds thrive. I'm so happy to have you join me to talk about how to help keep our brains sharp and healthy. So Cynthia, you know, many of us have concerns about our aging brains and the fear of cognitive decline. Can you please share the connection between cognitive fitness and overall wellness? Absolutely. I think that many of us have a pretty good idea of what we need to do to stay well. We know we need to exercise and eat a healthy diet, even though the information about what that diet should consist of might change, it seems from time to time. We probably know, especially after these last few years, that dealing with stress can also be very important, as well as socializing. But what we don't realize is that the research ties all of those things to better brain health. There is not, you know, the brain health science is actually kind of young, but when we look at what's there and what's confirmatory, so what's been shown again and again, mm -hmm. one of the things we can really count on is that being well, participating in things across body, mind, and spirit that uh -huh. we associate with well-being also matters to our brain health. And so from a brain health perspective, what we teach at Total Brain Health is 
how we can engage across a blueprint of wellness, right? Across okay. different action points that we know from the research tied to keeping our brains healthy, not only in terms of thinking sharp every day, which is what we want to talk about, but also in terms of our vitality, reducing our diseases of the brain, including stroke as well as dementia and things such as falls, which are serious injuries to the brain that are not that uncommon, especially as people grow older. And then importantly to stay vital because we want to quote another expert in this area to live long and die short, right? <laughs> I like we that. want our healthy lifespan to be expansive and the period of time in which we might experience disease and decline to be truncated at the end of life. And so being engaged in ways of keeping our brain healthy also promotes cognitive vitality, which we need for that longer, healthier lifespan. Of course we do. And I will share with the audience, I have heard your nine tips for sharper thinking. So you did men mention that body, spirit, and mind and obviously the body, eating smart, moving, living with your brain in mind. Could you address spirit? And I bring this up a little bit because I saw my own mother's mental decline during COVID, partially due to lack of socialization. And I don't know if that's common or if it's reversible or what we can do to make sure from that spirit standpoint, um, we can do anything we can to maintain that emotional balance. And that's something that is so key to all of us. And so certainly we saw as well, because we support a lot of active aging communities, mm. that in people who are frail, so they were vulnerable already to cognitive decline, that that decline was perhaps accelerated because of isolation. But it really is true for all of us. So I was just talking to my, my son's fiance's mother, who has been really very cautious. She's a primary caregiver for her 92-year-old father who's frail. And so she's still been very cautious. And we were joking. She went to a wedding. Um, and what, how weird it was to be out with people again. And I think that for many of us, it's not that we forgot to socialize, but we didn't really have the benefit of socializing, particularly in bigger settings for such a long time. And it might be a little bit of a reminder of the intellectual skills that it takes to socialize. Socializing is so good for our brains. It helps us to practice the different thinking skills like attention, thinking quickly, thinking flexibly, right? We have to be nimble in our thinking to stay in conversation. We have to hold the thought that we have while focused on what the person is saying. We have to also remember and we have to practice things like executive control. So we've all been with people who interrupt a lot. And that is an example of poor control, right? Where we're not really having that go, don't go kind of uh, monitoring of And you're of calling ourselves. that executive control? Yes. Yes. And problem solving. So there's a lot of things that through socializing, we get robustly a great brain workout. We're also social creatures, right? We're meant to be with each other. We're meant to be with each other for our emotional health in terms of seeking support and solace and comfort and kind of just engagement intellectually, as well as socially and emotionally when we are with each other. There was a study that just came out again, demonstrating the very negative impact that social isolation had during this past time period. And while I 
personally believe it was necessary to have a better control over a pandemic with a virus that was unknown, right? In terms of its long-term consequences, it was one of the best ways to control the virus at the time. But nonetheless, it's still a good case study from our perspective, looking at the impact of social isolation. And so now we all need to do what we can. Well, that's terrific. Right, to kind of get back on board. And especially for those who are frail, the other thing that we see in the communities in active aging who have a lot of our programs, we have small group programs in those communities. They are robustly turning out for those programs, enjoying them and kind of bouncing back. Well, let me ask you this. As as we all begin socializing again, um, we're going to be introduced to people in a social setting. Do you have any recommendations on how to remember someone's name? Because I don't know about you, but there have been times I've been introduced to three or four people. As long as they don't move or change their clothes, I'm probably good. Once we start moving around, it's like, oh, I, is that, my lack of not paying attention closely enough or no, you know, it's like that old joke. You meet someone on the beach or, you know, them from a summer or vacation someplace warm. And then you see them someplace else, maybe in a business context or, and you say, I didn't recognize you dressed, right? Right. You're so used to seeing them maybe in a bathing suit or more casually. We have a lot of great tips for remembering names and strategies. Share, share. Yes. So (laughs) strategies for remembering are as old as ancient Greece and Rome. In fact, traditions for using memory strategies date back to the orators who had to memorize, right? There were only verbal traditions then. So a lot of things in religious texts also were passed down orally. So they developed very actually more complex memory systems to help remember. Today, we can use simpler strategies. So we don't have to remember you know, a three hour speech by heart, we have teleprompters and notes. But what we can do is for your example, if we want to remember a name, we can do some simple things. So for example, we can repeat the information. So I might say, uh, if I'm meeting someone named Simon, Simon, it's nice to meet you. I might say Simon's name out loud in conversation. People like to hear their name. But I might also say it to myself silently, right? So that I get an opportunity to rehearse it by repeating it. Doing that not only gives me more opportunity to pay attention to the name, it gives me more of a chance to learn it. One of the reasons, by the way, Barbara, we remember a face and not a name is because we have greater exposure to the face than we do to the name, right? Because if you meet someone, you hear their name, it takes half a second, right? Depending on that name but you're looking at them that whole time. So a lot of times people get very frustrated because they remember the face and not the name. That's why. So give yourself more exposure to the name by repeating it. If you wanna up it, you can make a connection to the name. We use something called the connection strategy to give more meaning to that name. So Simon, I might think of Simon Says, right? Connecting it to something that I already know. I did. I I did. (laughs) I have a cousin named Simon. I might think of that Simon. I might think of Simon Legree, right? So I might find a way to connect that name Simon to something that I already know 
making that new information more personally meaningful. Those are two easy and simple ways that we can make it easier to remember names. Thank and we you. have programs, by the way, I know you and I talked about this. We just recently released a video training program on memory improvement for the public. It's called TBH Build My Memory. And it's a series of videos with a workbook that people can use to help remember better. Terrific. Gosh, that's helpful. Might have to get that one but now that we're getting out in public more and we are meeting more people. So it's great fun again, I have yes. to tell you. And, and even with our clients going from Zooms to human contact, we get so excited. It's just so much fun. And it is different. It is. And people ask me all the time cognitively, is there a difference meeting over Zoom versus meeting in person? And I know that was one of the questions we had kind of touched on yeah. previously. And I think that there's benefits to both, right? And certainly if we are not able to travel as easily, if we need to be someplace, but we have other obligations, Zoom is great. I just led a group of older adults for a, it's a not-for-profit in Chicago. And we did a program we have called a challenge program. So we have a program that's a box of cards that you roll the dice and you pick a card every day and you do a brain workout and it's called TBH Toolbox 365. And we pair that for this particular group with a daily calendar and a monthly meeting. And so I was meeting with this group in Chicago. I think they were mostly in Evanston and we were met over Zoom and the connections that everyone made over Zoom, total strangers, but meeting once a month for about six months, supporting each other in terms of what they were doing, strategies like what we just talked about. It was amazing. And they, some of them exchanged phone numbers. And I think some that live close to each other actually did get together. But this is an older group of adults who were still living independently in the community, but were quite isolated during the months of COVID. And so it was very telling to see how connected they felt over Zoom. Well, that's terrific because I have heard that older adults are the fastest growing segment among internet users in the world. So yes. it is a way, and I can remember I had a 98-year-old father-in-law who was hard of hearing. So his ability to connect through the computer, at that time it was only email, there wasn't the video, but it made such a difference in his world. And so when we're looking at those digital connections versus the in-person, you are seeing the ability to still form good, deep connections. Or with families, it's nice, you're right, families and friends that can't be together, right. it's still a good way to keep connected. Right, and the events that we might miss, right, if we otherwise couldn't be there over Zoom. But that said, it's still great to be together in person. And there's a lot of nonverbal communication and support and a sense of empathy that we can feel from other people, right, when we're together in person. Right. You know, you're saying that my grandmother used to always say when my kids were little and she was living in North Carolina and I was in the New York area, she would say to me, oh, I wish that the phone had a video camera so I could oh. see those kids. Aww. Right. And so now we have all these capacities. And so they do help us connect and stay socially connected, even though they're not the same as being in person. 
Oh, you're right, though. But it's so great now to be able to actually yeah. see people when we're speaking to them. You mentioned about speaking quickly and the flexibility. So why is timed activity whenever you're playing these games? Yeah. We talk about the advantage of play with the brain. And many of us do different kinds of games with a timer and it pushes us. So can you talk a little bit about why timed activity is helpful? I'm so glad you asked that question. I think one of the biggest misunderstandings in the field of cognitive training is that people feel that if they're doing a crossword puzzle or Sudoku or some kind of word game, that that's sufficient. And those are great ways to stay engaged intellectually and to challenge our creative thinking and long-term memory. But when it comes to the kind of things that you're not you personally, but I mean, <laughs> people are complaining about it's the skills that are diminished with age aren't getting worked out when you do the crossword puzzle. And those are namely attention, speed of processing and cognitive flexibility, maybe cognitive flexibility does to a point and short-term memory. Those skills are the ones that support things like remembering a name and to work out those skills, you're really better off working against the clock. And there are not many people that do the crossword puzzle or the spelling bee or the, even wordle against the clock. It's just, they're not timed. So when the mini puzzles timed, by the, the way. mini puzzle is timed. Is. And yeah. so that's a great <laughs> option, right? And for those of you that don't subscribe to the New York times, that's what we're talking about, but you can set a timer <laughs> to those activities. But what I really love to encourage people to do is to add to their cognitive workout, something that makes you play against the clock, because when you play against the clock, you are forced just by that play to work out those very cognitive skills. You have to pay attention to do well. You have to think fast because you're playing against the clock. Generally, those kinds of games force you to be flexible in your thinking and the problem solving that you have to do, you have to kind of jump around. And a lot of times they might involve short-term memory. So look for things that you play against the clock. And you know, there's lots of ways to play with your brain. And I love the fact that you kind of wanted to focus on that because Taking care of your brain should be fun. It shouldn't be some drudgery that you have to do. Um, in the same way that I hope you enjoy exercise, you should enjoy taking care of your brain. So the idea is that it should be something that brings a full workout to your thinking skills and to the thinking skills that support memory. And to do that, you need to do something that forces you to think fast. So is your TBH Toolbox 365, that's kind of a game, isn't yes. it? It's kind of play. Yeah, and it does is. It, does it, you, are you, are we called on to use different parts of our brain? Yes. With each different card or how, yeah. explain how that works. Yeah. And I'm sorry, I, I meant to, I'm like sitting in a different room. I don't have one here to share. I, I have one actually across my room too. Ah. I should have brought it up. Sorry. That's okay. So it's a box of cards. It's a beautiful box. It is. We're really thrilled with the design. It's, it's kind of a very fun, but not dumbed down kind of design, right? And it has in it a hundred cards that have repeatable workouts and it comes with a dice and a timer. So you can play on your own. You can play with friends. It's a great gift to parents or an older relative who might be on their own or with a caregiver. It kind of spans a lot of uses. 
I have a friend who told me when we first came out with it that she took it to a bar for girls night out and they played it there. Uh, It has cards that are divided by the stages or the areas of wellness that we tapped on before body, mind, spirit, and it adds Mm -hmm. social. And most of the workouts you can do right there and then. So you roll the dice and based on the roll of the dice, you are kind of designated to pick a card from either the body, mind, spirit, or social part. So there's about 25 cards in each section. And then you pick that card and the card tells you what cognitive skills you're working on. So the, some of the skills that I mentioned, right? Like attention and processing speed, but also other skills like problem solving, verbal skills, visual skills. So you know what you're doing. It gives you a brief explanation of the science behind the workout. And then you get a workout to do. You get directions for a workout that you can do in about 10 minutes and they're repeatable. So if you get that same card again, say three months later, you have a different way of doing that same workout. So it's been really a popular item. We've been super happy with it. And yes, it gives you a great way to play with your brain and to play with other people as well. That's terrific. So one of the other questions I had is the connections. I've seen this in my mother's community, the connection with music or aromas to memory. And what's that about? It's so interesting. They're different, right? Because they, they work, they are understood in different parts of the brain. So let's take aromas because that's the olfactory bulb. And in fact, the olfactory bulb is part of the reptilian brain. Someone, uh, uh, not me, that's not an original term, right? But it's part of the very kind of more primitive part of our brain, which makes total sense. Because if you think about survival and how we survived as a species, we used our sense of smell to alert us to danger, to when something might be poisonous, to smoke, right? To all of those things. And so- that olfactory sense is a very primitive and very important sense. And it's tied to memory because we had to remember what smoke smells like in order to know that it was dangerous, Dangerous. right? So there's a lot of the neurotransmitter that is responsible for memory, the cholinergic neurotransmitter kind of concentrated in the olfactory bulb of the brain. So what's really interesting is that we can use scent to then help us evoke memory, right? And to help us remember. And I I have a colleague, someone I know who has a company where she has started to use scent that her background was in the perfume business. And she started to use scents for people with dementia, right? To help evoke memory. And it's interesting because of course, one of the first things that we see in dementia is a reduced sense of smell because of the reduction in the cholinergic neurotransmitter, right? So no idea. So often it can be harder for someone with dementia to smell. So using strong scents. So we have some similar workouts in some of our programs in communities for people who are living with dementia, and we will select scents that are quite strong, right? Like pine, for example, where it might be something that is easier for someone to smell, but smell can be used in that way therapeutically for those who are living with dementia. And it can be used for us to pair for memory, right? Um, But it is something that we also tend to hold on to. I think that's what you're getting at. 
right? When we have, uh, it's kind of like Proust and the Madelines, right? When we smell something, my, one of my grandmothers wore Ginate. And when I smell Ginate, even though she has been gone for over 20 years. And as I say that, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening are going, oh, right. I remember what that smells like. And I can identify specific ants when I smell, Hmm. and who are long been gone, when I smell particular perfumes. Oh, that was Aunt Dia, that was Aunt Rose, that was Aunt Helen. So it is funny that how we go back to that. Yeah. It's also a good call out for having a signature scent, right? Oh, Um, yes, you're right. (laughs) So that will be remembered. Right, exactly. But you also asked about music and music is the same way. And it's a really interesting thing. There are many folks, including us, who use music therapeutically for those who are living with memory challenge. And there does seem to be an ability of the brain to recollect and connect to music, even though other aspects of memory may be impacted. And I think that's a great thing to know. Also, if you're someone who's caregiving or a family member of someone who's living with dementia, music can soothe, music can connect. I once taught the book you mentioned through the seasons when it for the first version came out, I went and did a lot of visits to caregiver groups. And there was one son who only could talk to his father over the phone. They lived long distance. And he contacted me after we talked about music to say that he had spent the next phone call, which was always very difficult with his father, who was pretty kind of not very verbal at that point, singing old songs that he knew his father had enjoyed. And the father joined in and was singing with him. And it was touching to him that he found this different way to connect. So music can be a very powerful tool. That's so sweet. Um, You and I had a short conversation also when we talked about play and people that play with their pets. So tell me a little bit about pets and our brain health. I mean, I think pets can be an incredible source of emotional support. And many of us have pets that are very beloved. Um, But it's funny because there's a lot of things that pets get us to do also that that we don't appreciate. So many of us who have pets exercise with our pets. Right. Walking. Right. right? I just walked my dog. Now, I may not walk my cat, but I might play with my cat. Right. I might get on the floor and play with a cat. I also know that you have to kind of be caretaking requires some intellectual engagement. Right. So you have to track things and be aware of things that you wouldn't otherwise. And then there's that emotional bonding, right? That spiritual support that comes from being with a pet. So there's many ways in which pets reward us and can reward our brain health. What other games can you come up with that we can play with to make our brains smarter? So I have a lot of favorite games as my family would love to tell you. (laughs) Um, And so just a few, let's just knock off the computer games for a second. So uh, there are benefits to the brain fitness software, but rather than thinking of it as brain fitness software, when in truth, we know from the research, what really helps your brain is living well, think of it as skills training software. And the way I like to place it for people in the kind of constellation of brain health is that it helps you train your thinking skills in the same way that a personal trainer might help you train physically. You don't necessarily need it, 
But if you want something that will hold you, excuse me, accountable, and that will also maybe make things harder than you might on your own once you get better, right? Um, then that so, brain. So fits does in. it keep pushing you yes, to go to the next exactly. level, right? Yeah. So exactly. you don't get lazy. Which, which we may not do for ourselves, right? right? And so that is a great reason if you want, and, and it, they mostly do cost money. So if that's something that you want to invest in, they, that's their purpose. But don't think of them as brain fitness, because if you are playing that computer game for seven hours a day, oh. seven days a week, it's not helping your brain fitness. Walking would help your brain fitness more. That said, those compute, there's a lot of fun computer games. There's a lot of fun games that are timed. My kids used to play this game that I got hooked on for a while called Sushi Go Round, where <laughs> orders would come in and you'd have to make the sushi in time. And if you didn't go fast enough, then your guests would leave. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> you wouldn't get paid and that you also had to keep the ingredients. So at the same time that you were making the sushi, when guests came in to order, you had to make sure you had all your ingredients in the back. And the, as you got better, the game got faster and you got more guests. So there's games <laughs> like that that are free and they're kind of easy to find. Just ask a teenager <laughs> what they're playing. And those can be a lot of fun. Um, and for board games, some of my favorites are Boggle, especially if you're I a word I was going to ask about Boggle because it is timed. Too. It's timed. I got a, my friends from college still refuse to play with me. Oh, um, I love Boggle. I'll play with <laughs> well, you. We'll have, maybe we'll have to find a way to play. Um, and they're actually, Zynga has a version of Boggle now as a online game. But Boggle, for those of you that don't know, it's a grid with dice and you shake it and the dice fall into a pattern and you have to find words by connecting the letters to each other. And it's timed. And you can even play by yourself, by the way. You don't need an opponent and you can just see how many words you can find. And also there's a great game called Set, S-E-T. Yes. Oh, that's tough. And it's actually based on a famous neuropsychological test. And so to play Set, what you do is you lay out a grid of cards. I was just talking about it last night. I can't remember. I think it's 12 mm -hmm. cards. And you have to find the, the cards have shapes shapes like triangles and circles and colors and there are different colors and there are different numbers of those shapes on the card and you have to find a set of three cards that has only one of those characteristics in common so either they have the same number items the same color or the same shape but they can't have then the other characteristics and the first person who sees it calls set they grab the cards you put more cards down and the object of the game is to find the most sets, which gives you the most number of cards at the end of the game. And my husband and I have never beat our daughter yet. So, well, so since you played that the timing element there is the other people you're playing against. Yes. And some of them um, are very fast. Right. So. Yeah. And this isn't to say that people play chess against the clock. This isn't to say that all those other intellectual engagement activities aren't great. But again, having things that are timed that you use to play with your brain are going to work out different skills. Well, you had mentioned also when we talked a little bit about the physical part, you mentioned balance. And so what's that connection between the brain and our sense of balance? Is that, does, it's not just physical then. So 
Well, it is physical, right? Because, it, and, but it is also controlled by our brain. There's a lot of what you might consider more soft lifestyle factors that matter to our brain health that we don't necessarily think about. So most people will think about their exercise and their diet, but they may not think about things such as sleep or risks such as hitting your head. So balance matters to that, right? And I think um, what we might have also talked about is that as we grow older, we're at greater risk for hitting our head from falling, falling or tripping and ending up in the emergency room with a head injury. And head injuries are a serious form of brain injury. So it's very important that number one, especially as we hit our middle age, that we start to incorporate exercises to help us maintain balance. And that is also important because we are continuing to do things like skiing or biking or hiking that really require us to have good balance to stay safe. So we want to make sure that we can completely, you know, engage in these activities to our heart's desire and incorporating balance exercises to stay safe doing them is really important. The other thing I'll say for those of us who have older parents, that we need to also be sure that we reduce tripping hazards because as we grow older, our vision might change. So we might not be able to see as easily when the corner of the carpet is rolled up, or if there's a small table kind of in the way uh, in a natural kind of path, right? Where we mm -hmm. might have, you know, other people might see it out of the corner of their eye and walk around it. Um, the other thing is we need to make sure lighting is very good and stairwells or hallways. Oh, you're right. No rugs, good lighting. Yes. And moving that, the clutter out of the way. Right. Moving the clutter out of the way because, and not leaving clutter around, right? right? Not go. putting the umbrella down, right? In the floor. Because the other thing that it's interesting, it, the older eye doesn't actually allow the light in, right? And so it's not that, it's not a cognitive issue. It's a perceptual issue. And so brighter light will make it easier to see depth on the stairs, for example. And, and so these are just some of the ways we can protect our head. And that's really what the balance is about doing things to protect our head from injury. Thank you. Well, I know we're getting close to the end. So I'm, I'm listening to all of the good advice you have and some of the summary of the suggestions for obviously playing and keeping our brain sharp. So eating healthy and keeping moving, maintaining emotional balance and socializing and taking part in brain training and games to sharpen skills and stretch your mind and what I've really learned today, timing it. So I'm going to push myself for that. And I appreciate you sharing how to remember people's names a little better. I'm going to work on that myself. So you remembered all of that perfectly. Well, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> there's just a lot to remember. And, and I, I wish I had time to talk more about this. But Cynthia, in closing, can you please share with us how you keep your well and wealthy? Thank you. You know, I know everything I should be doing, but like everyone who's listening, it's not easy all the time to do it. And it, even though I might be committed to taking better care of myself, I, like everybody else, have things that come up that get in that way. I probably work a lot of hours <laughs> and I have, you know, other demands on my time. 
So the one thing I really try to commit to is to exercise and to make sure that I get exercise, even if it's just going for a walk with my dog, by the way, (laughs) you know, during the day to get up from my desk, even though it can be hard to leave sometimes to make sure that I get to exercise, like to just get up and walk around as some extra steps in my day. And then the other thing is, I would say that I really look to do exactly what we said to play against the clock to do things that make me think fast. And to even if I end up just doing that for a few minutes every day, at least I know I'm challenging those skills. Because I really think that that is one of the best ways that we can manage those thinking skills. And I know how important those are to memory and to long term vitality. Well, thank you, Cynthia. And thank you for sharing your knowledge on keeping our brains healthy and sharp. Well, I certainly encourage everyone to check out those resources. This has been fantastic. Dr. Green, thank you again so much for being here and sharing your knowledge. Barbara, of course, thank you so much for facilitating this and hosting this show. This is amazing. I love it. And of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Keeping the Well and Wealthy with Barbara Archer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Barbara comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually helps others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hightower, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to go out in the world and make a difference. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Keeping the Well in Wealthy with Barbara Archer, sponsored by Hightower. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Wealth Advisors. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Wealth Advisors is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Some investment professionals may also be registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of this information. Hightower Wealth Advisors and Hightower Advisors LLC assume no liability for any action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced in the document. Such data and other information are subject to change without notice. 
This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. This material is not intended or written to provide and should not be relied upon or used as a substitute for tax or legal advice. Information contained herein does not consider an individual's or entity's specific circumstances or applicable governing law, which may vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and be subject to change. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor for related questions.